Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. This episode is proudly sponsored by Vivino, the world's largest online wine marketplace. The Vivino app makes it easy to choose wine. Enjoy expert team support, door-to-door delivery, and honest wine reviews to help you choose the perfect wine for every occasion. Vivino, download the app on Apple or Android and discover an easier way to choose wine. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. In recent episodes, we've been exploring the far north of the country, just below the Alps, in German-speaking Sudtirol, or Alto Adige. Today, we're traveling to Italy's deepest south, to the glistening white beaches of the Ionian Sea, and up into the rugged wine hills of Ciro, to meet our guest, Vincenzo Ippolito, on his historic family wine estate, Ippolito, 1845, the oldest winery in Calabria. Thank you so much for joining us, Vincenzo. How are you today? Good morning, Mark. Thanks for the invitation. I'm very good. Finally, our harvest is over. It was a very good harvest. And now we are very excited to taste the new the new vintages. Was it a good harvest? What Did things go according to how you had hoped, or was it a difficult year? Well, no, it was, it was quite good because, the, I mean, the, the climate has been quite stable with not so much rain during the harvest. The summer was pretty hot, but in the end, we picked up good fruit at quite good level of quantity. So, I mean... We got both targets, which is a decent quantity and high quality grapes. Oh, excellent. That's great to hear. Now, your family uh, has a long history of producing wines in Chiro, going back to 1845. That's even before the Italian nation had been created. So the all of the south of Italy was under the Spanish, under the Spanish Bourbons at that time. Uh, it's amazing history. So can you tell us a little bit about about your family and how you've been making wines over this long period? Yes, for sure. Thanks for the question. So the company is called uh, Ippolito 1845 because uh, in an old building in our farm, we found uh, this uh, big stone on a wall with this uh, date uh, printed on, 1845 V.I. So Vincenzo Ippolito. That Vincenzo Ippolito of course, it's not me. It's not even my grandfather. He was the grandfather of my grandfather. You know, here in the South, we have the tradition to call uh, the first uh, son with the same name of uh, our father. So we still keep this name in our family. Uh, at that time, uh, it was not really a wine production in bottles. It was uh, mainly production of grapes and wine in bulk, mainly sold in the surrounded area, in the local area, 
not outside the region. And the economy was not just wine, but it was mainly based on agriculture. So olive oil, grapes, wine, vegetables, fruit, citrus, and so on. Then we have to wait until the Second World War to have uh, a real focus, a real focus on viticulture. It was uh, uh, my grandfather Vincenzo. He was a quite uh, brave and ambitious person with uh, studying agriculture. He had already a small car, a small Fiat, and he was very curious. So. He went to the north of Italy, to regions like Tuscan and Piedmont, and he realized that the, the present and the future for the wine was to bottle the wine in a regular glass bottle. Uh, and this uh, choice would have uh, uh, made a big difference uh, in, in the wine trade. Uh, so he came back to its hometown, Ciron Marina, and then he, he had this uh, great and revolutionary idea to bottle the wine in a 0.75 liter bottle, putting the label on the on the on the glass and the printing its name on the bottle. So uh, we start to sell uh, our bottles with our brand. At the time, it was only Cantine Vincenzo Ippolito, just his name. Then, uh, in the end of the 60s and the 70s, my father. And my uncle decided to put the, the 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 foundation date on the label just to make to make the brand more recognizable and even stronger. Um, after my grandfather, it's my father, my uncle, who still run the same business, but investing much more both in the vineyards and in the winery, but still with the same philosophy. The philosophy is uh, giving value to our indigenous varieties, especially Galliopo and Greco Bianco, and try to promote these very unique grapes and these very unique wines, not just in Italy, but even uh, all around the world. So in the 60s, in the end of the 60s, we started the first export to United States and Germany. I mean, it was easier in these countries because there, there was already a big presence of Calabrian people, immigrants from Calabria, who moved there and they set up the first restaurants and uh, food and wine distribution. So uh, we went from uh, uh, regional sales to national and international sales. Then in the 2000, uh, we have uh, a new generational step in our, in our family history. The, uh, it's me together with uh, my brother Gianluca and my cousin Paolo to manage the winery. And our uh, philosophy, our idea was uh, still uh, to keep and to preserve the same values of our fathers, uh, but trying to do things better and better. And the first uh, uh, target, the first mission was... Uh, to rediscover other indigenous varieties uh, quite unknown and neglected in the area uh, and uh, trying to do good quality wines from uh, not just the Galliopo and Greco Bianco, but also other Calabrian varieties like Pecorello, Greco Nero, Calabrese, and so on. So, yeah, right now uh, the, the company is a, a medium-sized company we produce around 600,000 bottles a year, and we sell our production in Italy and in uh, a 
about uh, 30 countries uh, around the world. Wow, it's a, it's a fascinating story, starting from the beginning, those early days, but particularly from the post-war period when your grandfather, who began to bottle the wine in, after the war, uh, at a time when I guess most of the South was perhaps, as you say, selling wine only locally, or perhaps selling wine swuzo, swelling wine in bulk to go up to the north or to other places, and to actually value what was being produced and to have that faith uh, that that your family could produce wines that would put Calabria on the wine map of Italy was very brave and courageous and uh, it must have been difficult. But what a wonderful thing to have done because now, you know, this is uh, so important. Yes. Uh, now, I want our listeners to really gain a vivid picture of where you are. I visited your your wine estate with your father uh, more than 30 years ago, I think it was, Vincenzo, so a long time ago. But I remember the beauty of the Ionian Sea um, with the rugged, very rugged landscape rising from the sea, Ciro Marina, and then Ciro, the old town up the hill. Um, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your vineyards on three different estates and the terroir and where we are so that our listeners can gain a picture. For sure, Mark. Uh, first of all, I'm very glad about what you said to me a few minutes ago during our introduction conversation that you met my father uh, a lot of time ago when he was uh, still uh, still alive. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it was uh, quite uh, emotional for me. So it's, uh, it's a very nice thing. And uh, uh, the good thing is that uh, uh, not so much is uh, changed in our territory uh, since your last visit. I mean, we are very, very lucky to live in a very, very unique and beautiful place. It's uh, uh, the, the main towns are two, are Ciro Marina and Ciro, also called Ciro Superiore. They are two small towns on the uh, Ionian coast. Ionian coast is the east side of Calabria. And uh, precisely, we are located on a tip called Punta Lice. Punta Lice is uh, the easternmost point of Calabria. Actually, it's uh, the starting point of uh, uh, Taranto Gulf. And uh, it's not uh, a coincidence that uh, just there, just here in Ciro Marina, we have uh, um, a special condition for growing the grapes. Uh, the special conditions are given from its position because uh, um, for two reasons mainly. On our shoulder, we have uh, uh, the beautiful mountains uh, of uh, Sila chain uh, from which we get uh, the, the cold wind. And then in the front, on the east part, we have the, the beautiful Ionian Sea uh, from which we get uh, the warm breeze. So Chiro area becomes the meeting point, the meeting place between uh, cold and uh, heat. So we have uh, a very nice, uh, very nice uh, uh, temperature excursion between uh, day and night, and then it's uh, the perfect condition for growing the grapes. When uh, the Greek uh, colonies came to our territory 
uh, about uh, 3,000 years ago, uh, they found a great place with the presence of vines already. And uh, the, the ground, the soil was uh, very fertile, so that they called our area Enotria. Enotria in Greek means uh, wine land. Then this, uh, this word was uh, extended uh, to the whole country. So, I mean, uh, our area is uh, very unique for growing the grapes, and we have been uh, growing grapes for a very, very, very long time. And it's uh, uh, so nice that we still, uh, we still uh, grow grapes in this area, and actually it's uh, the main economy, the, ba- the main business uh, in the area. That's a really fascinating story, going back to the ancient Greeks who settled in Kremissa on Punta Alice. I love that on your website, one of your slogans is, the day del Olimpo sono i nostri vecchi clienti. The gods of Olympus are our old clients. Tell us a little bit about this exciting link with the Olympic Games, the ancient games, indeed the present games. Yes, right. So, well, it's a, it's a story uh, between legend and the real story, of course. They say that in the past, when uh, the players uh, went to Athens for the Olympic game, and then uh, after the games, they came back to their land here, here in Calabria, they used to uh, celebrate their victories uh, drinking uh, our Cremisa wine. Cremisa is the old name for Chiro. So they were they were drinking uh, Chiro wine for thanking the gods. But I think it was uh, uh, just uh, a way to have fun and and celebrate uh, uh, their their games. So it's uh, it's a I mean it's a good story. Uh, it's a part of our storytelling, and we we like it a lot in the. In the 1968, during the Olympic game in Mexico, our uh, our winery, together with other wineries in the area, sent uh, for free quite a good amount of uh, bottles of wine for all the Olympic players, just to to remind this uh, this old tradition which link our territory to the Olympic games. And uh, yes, my father, together with my uncle in the 70s, they had this uh, very, very good idea to put this claim uh, on the brochure. Uh, the, the gods of, of uh, Olympus are our old customers. So, I mean, it makes sense that we still put it uh, on our website. Yes, absolutely. I love that story. And of course, it is a reminder that Calabria in the ancient times was a very rich area with Sibaris and Crotone and famous ancient cities. And indeed, I think it was noted for the prowess of its Olympians, the famous wrestler Milo, who I think won four or five Olympic wrestling titles over 20 years, was, uh, I, I guess we could imagine that Milo, this great wrestler, would have been drinking Cremisa or Chiro wine. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, it's a nice uh, a, a nice idea to think of. I, I believe. Now, Vincenzo, I know that um, your family have always believed 
in the native grape varieties, the varieties that have traditionally been grown for hundreds, and maybe maybe these same varieties were around under the Greeks, Galliopo, Greco Bianco. Let's just talk a little bit about those two, and then maybe we'll also discuss a few other grapes. That's been very important to you, isn't it, to to really express the territory through the, the local grape varieties? Yes, for sure. So, as I said before, uh, my, my grandfather, Vincenzo, was uh, already producing his wines from Galliopo grapes, red, red Ciro Rosso, uh, Reserva Red Ciro, and then he also was producing uh, a rosé wine from from Galliopo. Then my father and my uncle, they still uh, were doing the same, though in the 80s and 90s, uh, we had the new trend in Italy of uh, planting international uh, varieties like Chardonnay, Merlot, Cabernet, and so on. Uh, my, my father and his brother, they thought uh, uh, there was no future for uh, other varieties uh, because uh, the competition around the world would have been uh, too high and there would have not been uh, any uh, distinguishing character on our wines. So they resisted uh, to the new trend. They still worked uh, on the indigenous varieties, which are mainly Galliopo and Greco Bianco. Uh, they are two unique, very beautiful, very difficult to work with uh, grapes varieties. But but uh, working with these grapes uh, make uh, our job uh, very very challenging on the side, but very enthusiastic on the other side because uh, uh, we have the great opportunity to offer the market uh, uh, very special and unique wines. Um, what is unique in Galliopo? Galliopo is a, is a red grapes, uh, and Galliopo stands to Calabria like uh, Nebbiolo to Piedmont or Sangiovese to Tuscany. Uh, you can find the Galliopo in uh, all Calabria, but the, the most of the Galliopo is cultivated in uh, our area, in Ciro area. Uh, why it's unique? Because uh, uh, first of all, the color. The color is uh, is very unique. It's uh, never, never very, very dark. N- never very violet. It's uh, a nice, uh, brilliant uh, ruby red color when it's uh, young, and then with the aging, it uh, goes to. Uh, I mean, it becomes a little bit lighter, going to garnet, uh, uh, garnet color. Uh, so apparently it looks like uh, a light uh, a light wine but it is not light at all because the sugar content inside the grapes is uh, pretty pretty high so we get uh, quite uh, alcoholic wine uh, uh, but the good thing is that the alcohol is uh, pretty much uh, well balanced by the high acidity and then uh, there are the tannins which is uh, the the biggest uh, particularity of our Galliopo. Galliopo is uh, full of tannins, so that we have to wait for the right moment to pick up the grapes. We need to do uh, careful maceration, uh, and then we can age the wine very well because uh, the alcohol plus the the tannins are uh, great. So in the end, we get uh, a wine 
with uh, a very nice uh, elegance with uh, a very uh, a very charming uh, complexity on the nose the nose goes from fruity uh, fruity aromas like uh, small berries uh, with uh, spicy aroma and after years uh, it becomes very intriguing because you get the licorice you get uh, the leather, the, the tobacco, the, the, the longer you wait sometimes and the better, the better it is. Just uh, three years ago in 2019, uh, we celebrated the, the 50 years of history our, of our DOC. Ciro DOC is one of the oldest in Italy. Uh, it was uh, recognized in 1969. And during even Italy, uh, we did a great event uh, presenting 50 years uh, uh, of Gagliopo wines, uh, drinking even a bottle of my winery since uh, 1969. Wow, amazing. And yeah. It's very nice. Uh, the other grapes is uh, Greco Bianco. Greco Bianco, has, uh, its name says, uh, uh, has a Greek origin. And it's another, uh, another grape which is uh, part of our territory, of our history and tradition. Usually, Greco Bianco is not uh, naturally in balance. I mean, uh, usually it gets a nice acidity, but the sugar content is never enough. So we have to wait uh, longer to get uh, uh, good sugar content, but we risk to lose acidity. So what we do in our, in our winery is uh, to do two different harvests. We do a first harvest in the beginning of September. So we get uh, uh, some grapes uh, with the higher acidity, though the sugar is not uh, too high, but at least we get a nice uh, fresh aroma and a nice, uh, uh, nice uh, freshness uh, at the taste. And then after about one month, we do a second harvest. So we pick up grapes with uh, more sugar and we get the wine with uh, more structure, more complexity. And after fermentation, we blend the two wines together in order to get a wine with a nice balance and nice uh, uh, equilibrium uh, between uh, acidity, freshness uh, and structure. Mm, yes, so Galliopo Greco Bianco are the main grapes, but Calabria has uh, really a great uh, patrimony heritage of uh, indigenous varieties, uh, very great uh, biodiversity. So in the last uh, uh, 15 years, our, our work was uh, of uh, rediscovering and research other old varieties. Uh, so we came out uh, with uh, new wines from uh, other other Calabrian varieties like Pecorello, Greco Nero, Calabrese, and it makes uh, our offer very very interesting because uh, we I mean we start with the Galliopo and Greco Bianco, which are the best known grapes, and then we go on with uh, these uh, other grapes varieties, uh, not well known, but they are finding their space uh, in the markets because people are curious more and more to get new wines from uh, uh, unknown grapes. I think you're right. And I think that is um, one of the interesting, most interesting things about Italian wines. For those who are curious, you can, you can encounter 
new wines from old grapes that you know one's never tasted before. I always say to people that when they're looking at a wine list, to not pick the wines they know, but to pick a name they've never heard of, because it wouldn't be there unless there was a reason for that wine to be made. All of your wines, Vincenzo, these are wines that are made to be enjoyed with food. Can you explain to us some of the main features of Calabrian food, and in particular foods that you enjoy in Chiro? Yes, okay. <laughs> you know, Italy has a great uh, uh, offer of food, so in, uh, in each region uh, you can enjoy some, so many excellent things. So even in our region, we have uh, uh, something very unique and very good. And then it depends on where you are. You get different food because uh, Calabria is uh, wet from uh, two different seas, Ionian Sea and Tyrrhenian Sea. Uh, and so usually on the coast, the, the food is mainly based uh, on, on fish. And then we have uh, beautiful mountains, uh, Sila and Aspromonte, and over there, the cuisine, the cuisine is mainly made uh, based on, uh, on uh, vegetables, uh, mushrooms, uh, and meat, of course, especially wild, wild meat. So in my area, we are famous uh, for a product. It's called uh, sardella. It's the, the Calabrian caviar. It's uh, made of uh, baby sardines and uh, anchovies with uh, a lot of uh, spicy red pepper and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, fennel seeds and it's uh, yes you uh, and olive oil of course extra virgin olive oil and it's uh, actually it's our amuse uh, boucher uh, for all the restaurants wonderful is the fish um salted is it a cured fish it's a cured i mean it's a raw fish raw fish and just the salt and the pepper cure the the fish, which you can keep uh, for a long time. So I mean, the, the the of course the salt and the red pepper preserve the the integrity and the quality of the fish. And we just spread uh, spread the fish on uh, crostini, on bruschetta, or you can even uh, do a primo piatto like spaghetti with the. With the, with the sardella, uh, and as I told before, usually it's the entree, the welcome entree in all the restaurants in the area, and people people are crazy for that. Then there is another dish which I love is uh, it's called uh, in in Calabrese it's called the pipi e prupi. It's uh, pipi is uh, peppers and octopus. They are they are fried they are fried uh, on a on a fry pan, of course with a lot a lot of uh, olive oils, and then it's. Uh, it's between a second course and a contorno, side, side course. Then we have much more. Of course, we have all the uh, Ionian fish like uh, anchovies, sardinia, swordfish, tuna fish that we usually do with the pasta or just uh, grill it on the grill. Uh, and then it's, uh, it's fantastic. And uh, for, yeah, for such a food, uh, we, we pair our white uh, or even better our rosé from Galliopo because uh, uh, the rosé from Galliopo is a little structure little tannins uh, which uh, uh, pair pretty well with the, with the spicy food sure now spicy food calabria you've been mentioning the red pepper the pepperoncino calabria has a has a reputation of 
having a wonderful spicy food. I love it. I think there's even a Festa di Peperoncino, maybe even going on right now in Diamante. It's really an important feature, isn't it? Yes, it's it's a very beautiful event. Even uh, even our company is there together with other in a stand with other Calabrian products uh, promoting our wines. Uh, I think it's uh, edition number twenty five, twenty six. So uh, they've been doing that uh, for a long time, and that's uh, something good because uh, it's the right way to to promote to your excellence. Uh, Diamante then is a very, very, very nice town, uh, and they do this uh, special event uh, in the end of uh, September, beginning of, of October, just to extend the the summer the summer season. Uh, yes, there. Are, I mean, there are some products, that, some Calabrian products, uh, which are famous uh, all over the world. If uh, you think about the Nduja, people call it Nduja sometimes. You can find uh, these ingredients in uh, so many pizzeria right now. There is a pizza with Nduja uh, made in so many places around the world, or just uh, uh, pasta with Nduja. Even uh, restaurants in uh, England, the United States, and even other countries, they they use our products uh, to to make some uh, great dishes. So in Duya, this is this spreadable salami with plenty of pepperoncino that you can sort of spread with a knife. It's so um, rich. I love it. Originally from uh, the Tyrrhenian side, from uh, uh, Tropea area, and what is uh, what is special is that uh, it's a very poor food. It's uh, uh, what is left from the pork meat. You know, in the past, they didn't want to leave anything, so they were using all all the stuff. So what was left from the good meat was mixed with a lot of red pepper just to make to make a kind of sauce and put it in a, in a salami way. So Nduja is quite spreadable. And you can just eat Nduja itself on the bread, or it's great to put it in a sauce and make some tomato sauce for your pasta or whatever you want. Now, you know, the chef have a great fantasy and they can use Nduja for multiple dishes. Sure, sure. Now, speaking of chefs, I would like our listeners to, for you to share with our listeners, perhaps a couple of restaurant recommendations. Be something for very traditional cucina tipica and possibly a restaurant that serves these wonderful local ingredients in a slightly more modern way. Yeah, in my, in my area, in my area, there are many restaurants in a great effort to, to do things uh, uh, better and better, and I mean, I'm very glad because uh, I think uh, uh, our restaurants uh, grew uh, a lot in the last uh, in the last ten years. We have uh, okay talking about uh, kind of uh, gourmet way of uh, of cooking. Uh, I would uh, recommend three restaurants, which are the restaurants of my my heart. Uh, one is uh, Conte di Melissa. 
in uh, in Torre Melissa. It's a very nice uh, place uh, on uh, on a little little hill from which you can see uh, the moon, uh, the sea, and a wonderful old uh, Saracen tower. Uh, then and then uh, the other two restaurants uh, are on our uh, Lungo Mare in the town of Vicino Marina. One is uh, uh, Aquarama, where the chef is a friend of mine, Andrea. Uh, and the other restaurant is a white restaurant. is managed from another good friend from Pierluigi, where you can find the best uh, raw fish uh, in the area. Talking about, uh, talking about uh, very typical cuisine, I would uh, recommend to get some good friends uh, in Chiro and go to eat to the house where the mom cooks because uh, it's it's the best way to get the, the, the I would invite you to my place where my mom is from Chiro from the old town and uh, she's a great cook but uh, another recommendation could be uh, L'Aquila d'Oro it's uh, a restaurant uh, uh, in the old town of Chiro uh, where they really do the the older recipe of uh, Chiro and Chiro Marina uh, food. Okay, great. Well, Vincenzo, you've given us a great overview of a very special place, a far-off place. I think, you know, for many of us in our minds, we think of Chiro way down on the Ionian Sea as you know, quite a long way from, from our imagined views of Italy, but it's a beautiful area. Your wines are fabulous and i'm sure that they're best enjoyed with the foods of the area so i hope that that our talk today will encourage our listeners to travel to chiro to find you and if not then to enjoy visiting you every time they encounter your wines wherever they are so thank you very much for being my guest today it's been a real pleasure meeting you and i look forward to meeting you in person sometime soon Thanks a lot for the, for the invitation and for the nice conversation. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.